0: Welcome to the Push-Through Podcast, where each week we tackle some of the most difficult areas of business as a shop owner, contractor, or manufacturer with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking minds in business development, marketing, entrepreneurship, and leadership. These are conversations designed to educate, inspire, and empower business owners and leaders to push through the barriers and thresholds they see before them. Join us for the ride at thepushthru.com. That's thepushthru.com, where you can find in-depth articles and show notes from each episode. Get ready for the push-through and your host, Jeff Finney.
1: Welcome back to the push-through. This is Jeff Finney. And before we jump into this episode with Fred, I wanted to quickly share my experience with uh, adopting Lockdown. We started using Lockdown about a year and a half ago, and it took us a while to get the hang of it, but now we've got it down pat. Uh, Lockdown was, as a company, was great to work with during the implementation period and, and well beyond. Uh, they have a robust team that is eager to help make you and your business more efficient. So feel free to check out Lockdown at Lockdow.com to see how-to videos, all their products. They have a lot of open house events uh, and more. So get to know them at lockdown.com. And now let's get to our interview with Fred Kelling with Lockdown. Welcome back to The Push-Through, and I'm your host, Jeff Finney. This is Episode 4 with Lockdow, Interrupting an Industry. Today we're going to be talking to Fred Kohling, one of the founders of Lockdow. Today he's going to be joining us and sharing some of the experiences and the ride that Lockdow's taken in its pursuit to innovate the cabinet industry. Lockdow is a fastening method that that aids in assembling European cabinetry. It's uh, been shown that this technology speeds up assembly production uh, immensely some up to sixty five percent or more uh, relatively new to the woodworking market Lockdown's intent on upending an industry standard uh, upending an industry standard and replacing it with the lockdown method Fred, glad to have you here today and tell us a little bit about you a little bit about lockdown the background and where you come from and uh, what you do
2: sure so uh well first of all thank you jeff and Um, my background really was not in woodworking. It was uh, mainly centered around uh, uh, chemistry and the material sciences area. And um, so I was actually, you know, working in the high technology area um, in electronics, medical devices, and so forth. But um, about uh, six or so years ago, my son called me and Asked me uh, uh, he wanted to start his own company and had some ideas uh, about getting into the surf industry, and it was uh, ideas that later transferred over to the cabinet industry, and, and the furniture and all well all of the woodworking industry in general. So we had a, a means and way of um, attaching fins to surfboards, and that was sort of the the genesis of. Uh, the whole idea of assembly and the, uh, the 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 potential that it would have in the woodworking industry
1: well surfing is you know ca- well cabinetry you know can be a obviously be a wild ride like surfing but two totally different industries i'm assuming so you you basically started out with some kind of quick attach fin system is that what you're saying that you can that would like lock the fin onto the surfboard
2: Right. The whole idea was to be able to have uh, the ability to uh, attach a fin and deattach it um, easily, so that you would not um, uh, that you could transport the board easily uh, without having to uh, uh, screw that into position and unscrew it. Remember, it was fiberglass, so every time you did that, it would become a weaker and weaker strip joint. Out
1: those holes I see. So, right. so still, e- even though we have this surfboard fin that easily attaches pretty big uh jump over into the woodworking market on, on how to build on assembling cabinets with this so how do you how do you make that leap
2: well good question because um uh we first of all we looked at the surf industry and we discounted it because of the fact that it uh, the, the total available market was much much smaller mm-hmm. it required uh professional uh or i should say um celebrity uh, uh to get involved in order to for in the sales and marketing effort. So it just didn't look that appealing. And my son was um, uh, recently married, bought some Ikea furniture and uh, it all fell apart on him. And he said, gee, I wonder if this uh, fastener that we have for the surfboards would be great for the woodworking industry. Well, unbeknownst to us, we thought, well, that's a great idea. I'd always been uh, you know, I always had a a garage full of uh, woodworking tools and I thought it wouldn't be that big of a leap.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, it was a big leap.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very big leap. (laughs) It's not a, it it always something that looks easy on the surface uh, like that. It seems like when you start peeling back the layers, boy, it gets uh, real difficult real quick. So um, when when did Lockdown, you know, you said it was kind of born out of that surfboard moment and when he uh, assembled the furniture and it wasn't a very good process. What, like, when was that? And then what was kind of the, what was kind of the road just to getting started?
2: So that was about uh, five years ago, and uh, when we made the decision to move the product over Uh, to woodworking. And of course we took, uh, uh, built some samples of the product, uh, began some, uh, some simple uh, molds and we took it to the first uh, AWFS show. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we had the parts literally hanging on uh, fishing line and Mm -hmm. uh, some very simple demonstrations there. And I thought, well, we'll just see if there's any interest in this, in this, in this industry. And we were literally had people three and four deep at our booth at that show. And I thought, well, maybe this really is something that could uh, have some play in this market space.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's, you see new products and and neat stuff at the show every year with new machinery and methods and software and everything like that. But very seldom do you see, uh, it doesn't seem like you see any kind of uh, new fastening methods, you know, with the the kind of the global standard being that confirmat or that Dow method, The, the lockdown is just a total kind of, eye opener because it's completely different way of doing it. So that that was when I saw it at the show. um, I don't think it's quite five years ago. It's been a few years ago. I saw it at the show before we adopted it. And um, I know I was one of those people that was three or four deep in the booth just looking over somebody's shoulder to see what the heck this thing was. So I thought it was pretty awesome. And I think it's starting to get adopted in the industry at a relatively fast rate. So but uh, I'm sure that getting to that point, there was some kind of trials or some uh, failures maybe even or lessons that you could have learned. So tell us about some of the early times, maybe some of those failures that uh, before you started to get over that hump.
2: Well, of course, when we first started out, uh, what we really didn't recognize is the – the the we started off really in the furniture industry. And uh, originally, we were told by um, – Uh, some very large furniture manufacturers who were producing in China, that um, if there was any uh, equipment associated with uh, applying the fastener in China that was uh, more expensive than a hammer, uh, we wouldn't have any, uh, there would be no play for us in those markets. (laughs) And of course, uh, you know, today that is extremely bad advice. Uh, And so we first adapted the whole thing for manual drilling and insertion, and it was a very, very large uh, uh, furniture manufacturer. Well, since then, of course, we've learned that, you know, uh, all the modern shops in the U.S. And, uh, and in Europe and now even more and more in China, the integration of software and machinery is an absolute so not only did it take being able to design the product so that it would work well and that it had features and benefits to bring advantages uh, and and uh, those advantages we found out had to be very significant mm-hmm. or the uh, the idea that the uh, particularly in the cabinet industry the idea of getting people to change uh, was going to be difficult because they've been doing it another way for so long with confirmat screws and uh, uh glue and dowel and so forth
1: right so does that continue to be the biggest hurdle of adoption is just getting past that traditional way of doing it um and and just learning the new method of, of lockdown
2: well once once we got past the uh sort of the chicken of the egg dilemma between uh, over the equipment and software because remember the equipment guys at especially the larger European ones, if you can't point an absolute and confirmed potential that you're going to sell two or three hundred machines, they really aren't interested in talking to you. Right. Uh, And similarly with the software guys, they're looking at the same thing. If there isn't a uh, a, a pretty uh, uh, well-prepared pathway for them to sell a lot more software, they're not interested. So going through that and trying to um, uh, find means and ways of getting their interests was probably the single most daunting thing we had to go through. Once we accomplished that, um, then the next thing, the next big hurdle was, of course, looking at um, the cabinet industry in particular, and the fact that while they had traditional ways of doing things, uh, we knew we had something that would help them and assist them. But the transition of having to you know put a, a different type of equipment into position and asking them to really really completely rethink how they were going to make their product uh, was has been daunting and there are a few uh, first adopters really like yourself who can grab onto a technology see how it will work and are willing to put in the time the effort and uh, exercise it to bring it to fruition so Uh, That was the next stage, was to be able to do that and prove the metrics, prove the fact that uh, what we were offering, besides the features, uh, that the benefits would really be uh, formidable and be able to um, um, direct the benefit of of a huge savings. We've kind of come past that now. So now all the problems and the difficulties are, are with the larger, bigger opportunities.
1: Right, right. Well, and the, <clears throat> you mentioned the the hammer story in China and you probably get the polar opposite when you're dealing in the US where they want to know how what the easiest ways to automate it. And I'm sure trying to delve into that machinery world where you guys are more of a fastener company is is an uphill battle um, trying to get somebody to take on your your fastener because you know for those who don't know, lockdowns a, a sizable fastener that has to be bored with two holes and then inserted. so it's not your standard one hole and then pop a dowel into it so the machine is a little more specialized than just a standard horizontal bore machine so uh but it sounds like you've kind of overcome that hurdle and and had some adoption on the machinery side to kind of overtake that uh problem area of the past is that right
2: right so today now we've got uh Uh, six uh, very large, uh, well, I should say three very large and three uh, medium-sized manufacturers of equipment that have are bringing equipment into position to be able to be used with all of our products. And we're in all the major software uh, programs, uh, Cabinet Vision, Microvellum, and and even the ones here in Europe and also in China.
1: Ah, And that's a big deal um, as far as Laying out those fasteners and the the parametric programming, of, you know, having that in the software from day one—that's a huge help to so you don't have to do all that programming yourself. I mean, it makes the makes the adoption of it just ten times easier when the when the software is kind of dialed in. Well, if
2: you don't have it, most people aren't going to do it themselves. That's right. That's so right. Uh, it, it's a, it was a big hurdle, but uh, and a, and a time hurdle, but we made it through that one fortunately. Yeah.
1: Well, I think I remember taking a little bit of that ride too with you guys, and that was, but it was it was great because we learned, being one of those early adopters, we learned um, a lot about that fastening system, and hopefully contributed to the overall success of it. But it's you know getting it into the software for us was just we had to because that's the only way that we can produce cabinets is with the software. So we just we was constant push 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 and talking to you guys sometimes several times a day, and um, we. We thought that that interaction it was just uh, typically not heard of in the in the woodworking industry, and that's kind of why uh, I titled this interview, you know, interrupting an industry because it, truly that's what you guys are doing. You're 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 upending an industry that's just steeped in standards and tradition, um, and and bringing this whole new way of doing things. It's it's pretty uh, it's a fresh uh, breath of fresh air, you know.
2: Well, we've had uh, we've had several companies tell us that they never in their lifetime figured that there would be um, a, a, another way of putting cabinets together, ever. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you
1: know, it's just, it's been around for, I don't know how many years, long, way longer than I've been in the industry. And I've been here for, you know, a little over 15 years now. And um, it's the first time I've ever seen anything that's substantially different and better than the, uh, than the regular old way of doing things. So. Let's kind of dig down into lockdown a little bit and, and, and the fact that it is interrupting an industry. Um, you know, how, how, is it, how is it doing that? Um, tell us tell some of the thoughts behind, you know, um, how, how are you looking to interrupt this industry?
2: That one of the things that we recognized early on, and, and remember that while cabinets is one market sector, we're also in office furniture, home furnishings, and closets, each of which is a distinctly different market uh, they all use wood or wood products, but, uh, but their, their methods of advertising, their um, uh, uh, the cu- many cultural differences, different ways of purchasing, uh, all kinds of differences between each of them. And that's been a bit challenging. But what we recognized is, is in the United States, is that our whole industry, whether e- all four of those industries is significantly challenged by third world manufacturing. And uh, the pressure on North America from all in all market sectors coming from Asia has been extreme. And so we looked at that carefully to say, well, what if we're going to change this industry and we're going to give our country the ability to really uh, challenge these offshore manufacturers, where's the area where we can bring some parity? And what we found is that uh, in China, as an example, the cost of power, the cost of real estate, the cost of um, the machinery, the cost of uh, many of those things are really on parity with the U.S. Mm-hmm. The biggest difference, the biggest difference is labor. And the labor costs were, you know, in some cases, eight to one, nine to one uh, variants. And um, with that significant advantage, even though there was an ups- up cost on the uh, transportation, uh, North America has been suffering tremendously. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, where is the biggest amount of labor being used, and that is in assembly. So if the products can be assembled uh, uh, in a way that uh, breaks from tradition and significantly makes it easier, it brings U.S. Uh, capabilities in parity with some of the costs coming from Asia, and that's been a big—that's been a big part of the Bush. And I think people see that, and that's why it is. Um, uh, that's why it's been able to interrupt sort of the traditional means and methods of doing things.
1: Right. And that's, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head right there. It's, you've identified the probably the weak link in, in most or in a lot of facilities as far as where the time suck is. And that's, you know, labor to assemble the cabinets. And you've taken that and reduced it by, uh, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say at least half. If not more, you know, and and we experienced more than half, but it's uh, um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the actual, like the path that Lockdown took to get where it is today. Like what was the kind of the uh, evolution of the product to where it is today in the Eclipse?
2: So as I mentioned to you earlier, we started off with uh, what we call our 10 by 8s which was uh, just two drilled holes. So it had a male pin and a female receiver. And uh, it worked pretty well, but it meant more integration of the equipment. So if you had a, uh, uh, a nested base router, it not only would have to drill a hole, but it would also have to have the ability to automatically insert in, the, uh, uh, in a horizontal position into the panel mm-hmm. the female. And that just was a very, while we do have some people doing it, uh, the complexity of doing it and the uh, iterations that had to be uh, gone through both in in design of our part as well as uh, additional designs of equipment to integrate this into the CNCs was just too much. So uh, uh, we had a slow start with our legacy products. And we decided at that point that we needed to come up with something that would be less challenging in terms of equipment, uh, that would actually be uh, easier to uh, take apart, particularly for the furniture industry, Uh, then the whole ready to assemble kind of phenomena that's out there. Mm -hmm. And to do that, we needed something that would would be strong, invisible, uh, no tools required, and that uh, no glue required. And yet it would still have the strength and durability of uh, traditional case goods, or in the case of cabinets, glued and doweled cabinets. So the so that, that kind of led into the Eclipse products, and we took a uh, bifurcated direction where we decided that we wanted to have something that was still a snap-together kind of entity uh, and also one that would slide together. So one would be very sturdy but not able to be taken apart. But it, but it kind of followed along traditional right. lines, yep. and then we right. had so, the yeah. other right, and then the other one, which would be. Not quite so traditional, but it did allow for the cabinets to be assembled and disassembled. And what we found there is that a huge proportion of the business now, uh, particularly for cabinet shops that are not in the rural areas but in the cosmopolitan areas, where you've got a lot more, um, you know, you, you've got a lot more condominiums and high rises and so forth, where you've got to move a lot of product uh, vertically uh, to its uh, point of, of installation. Being able to do that in a, in a RTA or breakdown mode was really, really something a lot of people were pushing towards. Yeah. Conversely, on the furniture side, where we had, uh, you know, 17% year over year increase in the uh, increase in Internet sales and conversely a reduction in the sales coming from brick and mortar. So that ability to take things apart, put them together very easily became a, uh, uh, a real driver for us.
1: Right. And from, from my perspective on a, you know, I'm a component manufacturer. So the ready to assemble part for me is fantastic because basically, you know, I mean, I'm selling ready to assemble flat pack cabinets, but really what I'm selling to the customer is capacity. And um, the fact that I can sell them double the capacity without having to put any extra capital down and then maybe even more with that once more than that once they get good at assembling at locked out cabinets it's a win-win for everybody basically we're doing what we're good at which is manufacturing and other shops are doing what they're good at which is maybe selling and designing and and um you know just assembling and installing products so it's it's a true for us it's a win-win product for both sides and and i'm sure you see that with some of your other customers that are doing flat pack cabinets as well.
2: Both flat pack and those that are selling case good. As an example, we've got a large, very large uh, manufacturer now that does about 1,200 cabinets a day, and he will reduce his floor space from 350,000 square feet down to less than 100,000 and produce the same amount of cabinets, and he will reduce his payroll by two-thirds. Man,
1: that's that's a phenomenal uh, amount of reduction there just by efficiency of the, of the system from front to back. I mean, that's a, that's pretty awesome. That's exciting. So uh, Fred, before we kind of wrap up, I um, want to talk about, I'm, I'm a big one thing guy when it comes to business. I really like to leave people with kind of a one thing that they can do to either learn more about lockdown or understand uh, the technology there that, that could really benefit Mainly, any shop out there.
2: trying to peel things down to that one thing is always difficult. Mm-hmm. but um, but I would say that there's nothing you can do uh, that would um, uh, be more uh, uh, that would elevate your company to success by by paying as much attention as you can to the customer because everybody's got a and particularly different, Industry sectors have a different idea of what the value proposition really is, and how that value proposition fits into their way of doing business, uh, and uh, and and how they're addressing their customers. So we always we always try to, um, you know, we try to come out of the box, if you will, with new product ideas. But we never do that unless one we can patent it, and two we feel that we've created something special that no one else makes, and three that we really provide a solution to the customer that's meaningful. You know, it, it, it never comes, believe me, and this never came without uh, uh, a lot of times it would have been easy to give up, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and uh, I guess the one word, the one overwhelming word that uh, might go out to all your listeners is that uh, not only do you need to listen to your customers and you need to choose really good people to bring into your company, but the the next thing, and probably the most, is just persistence. Uh, the minute you give up, you're lost. That's right. And uh, so we just uh, we just have this culture here of of um, of when we think we got a great idea and it's something we we believe in, uh, we just keep going and uh, and and never give up on it.
1: Well, that's a it's a great business lesson for anybody. But the the thing I like about that is you you talked just briefly about your team and and I'll, I'll second that that you guys have an excellent team and um, man I, I've learned. I've been on both sides of that coin where we didn't have a great team and now I feel like we've got a very strong team and it, it makes the business so much more healthy, it makes it more enjoyable when you have the right team because you're all on the same bus driving down the same road and that's, uh, that, that's when business gets real exciting.
2: Well, if you if uh, Jeff, if you look at all your assets, all your equipment, your floor space, your you know uh, your computers, all the all the things that you have peripherally that make your business, the strongest asset you will ever have is the people that are are that you have surrounded yourself with that are working for you, and that culture is uh, the difference between making it not just fun but making it work or not
1: work. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So. Well, Fred, this has been fun. Uh, let's jump into the last little segment here called Quick Cuts. Just five questions where we get to learn a little bit about you personally. Uh, what's what's kind of a, an advice or quote you uh, go by?
2: I don't have a short one for you. That's fine. But I have a, I, have a, I always enjoyed um, well, I remember when I was in my early 20s, um, I read a book by Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich and it has stuck with me forever. And uh, there's a, at the very beginning, there's a a little poem that says, um, if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you like to win, but think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you're lost. For out in the world we find, success begins with a fellow's will. It's all in his state of mind. So if you think you're outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you'll ever win that prize. Life battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the man who wins is the one who thinks he can. And I just, uh, I, I, I can't tell you how true that is.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's good stuff right there, and that's a great book too for anybody to read. It's a, it's an old, old book, isn't it?
2: It's a very old book. <laughs> I think it back to my grandfather's, but it's, uh, Still it is, it's, bas- it's the basic book that all the other. Uh, authors that have tried to, um, you know, uh, teach success in life and so forth have, uh, have fall back on.
1: Yeah. Well, you've been in a lot of businesses and, and, and different uh, sectors and areas. Uh, what's what's kind of a personal habit or trait that makes you uh, better or more successful?
2: I suppose it depends on where you count success. Right. So, um, you know, I think that uh, while it's good to be successful in business, it's hard to be successful if, number one, You, um, uh, you don't have a strong inclination to, uh, to family and to friends and to making sure that those relationships are strong in your life. And you do all that you can to, um, to make sure that that, because everything else isn't really that worthwhile if those things are weak. And the second thing is, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I guess I, I focus a lot on, um, uh, for myself, uh, I guess I have this fear of failure, you know, and the fear of failure is, um, uh, always brings up the desire to improve. So, so you can never fail really, as long as you never give up yeah,
1: and, as long um, as you keep pushing. um,
2: you know, as far as, uh, as far as that goes, uh, in business, um, like I said, uh, the, the key has always got to be about service and how can you serve your customer the best, right? And focus on your product. I mean, you've always got to be able to make your product better, deliver it better, price it better, and always, always try to figure out how to improve on each of those. I think is critical. Yeah. Because if you do, if you don't, Jeff, your competition will.
1: And they'll eat you alive. <laughs> they'll eat you alive. And uh, they should. That's right. That's right. You got to stay ahead. Uh, so what's the uh, this is just a kind of a personal question that I always like to ask uh, all my guests just because I'm really into the sales and marketing you know the websites the content side of our business what what do you think the future of that side of the not just cabinetry but you know the, the business in general
2: <clears throat> well as you know that the the, um, the cost of customer acquisition uh, mm-hmm. steadily goes up particularly if you use traditional ways of you know trying to have a uh, uh, a large sales force out there and trying to have, um, um, you've got, you know, transportation and flying all over. It's to expand your business with the cost structures of yesterday don't really work. And, uh, uh, and so the question is, as an example, we get thousands of leads here and how do you score those leads and how do you figure out who's really interested and who isn't and how do you stretch yourself to be, Uh, to to provide some personal messaging uh, to all those individuals that is really um, tailored to where their questions are and where their business focus is. So to do that, we've been looking at and and have started working with some drip, uh, marketing software Mm -hmm. that's very interesting. And it allows you, as you talk to people and as they show interest, to score them and their interests in a way that you've got many channels of being able to distribute information and to be able to, um, um, follow up on that information continually, um, so I, I would say, from from our standpoint, uh, other than our new ERP system, the drip marketing has been really something I think every business uh, could be significantly benefited by. It's a, it's an internet, you know, software mm-hmm. kind of thing, and um, and just kind
1: of automates some of those redundant tasks of, of marketing that you could uh, basically just automate those and get the right content to the people at the right time. Is that basically the what I'm understanding?
2: Well, e- example, you know, we used to have Salesforce. And while Salesforce is a very good program and it collects a lot of data, you uh, you have to be able to get in there or uh, with your salespeople and uh, analyze that data yourself, find out where their direction is. This kind of software sort of automatically does that for mm-hmm. you. It's almost AI in the sense that it looks at where people are in the um, – uh, sort of in the purchase stream and looks at what their questions and their interests are and helps you direct the correct information at the right time to the right people.
1: Nice, I like, uh, I like all that stuff, so that's a, that's a great answer. So, uh, number four here, uh, Fred, what's the uh, what's a resource or an app that uh, makes your life easier or you just enjoy using? Oh, I uh, uh, you and I had talked
2: about this not too long ago on Trello. Um, we have a, uh, we use Trello as our sort of our go-to software, uh, work in progress software. All of our engineers, all of our, um, uh, logistics people, our marketing guys, we, we all, uh, everybody knows what everybody's doing at all times through Trello. Mm-hmm. And so you create these work boards and the work boards, um, uh, you com- can, you can communicate with one another and you can establish priorities and so forth. So I, if there was one thing that I, I we've really found very, very useful and interesting and helpful through us, it was the, it was the Trello yeah, system.
1: We use it daily, hourly, minutely. We use it all the time. So it's a pretty awesome app, powerful once you really start using it. So, uh, Fred, what's a, what's a book that you kind of consider to be one of your favorites?
2: Oh, way too many. Um... <laughs> Way too many. Um, gosh, I I wasn't really. I don't know that I could come up with one that would uh, that would be helpful. Um,
1: Do you have a business? Well, you you said the the Napoleon the uh, thank Oh, the Napoleon Rich, Hill's that, book. Yes, that's a great book to start with for any any entrepreneur business. Anybody really it doesn't matter. You don't have to be in business. Just read that book. That is a. I mean, that's some fantastic content in there. Even though it's old, it just like you said, everybody stemmed off of that basic teaching there and and that's, uh, that's a that's pretty good pretty good book to start with anybody so
2: it, it it's a great book there i i tell you there is one thing it's not a book but i don't know if you're uh if um and i think more people are becoming uh aware of this but it's um uh, it's called Ted talks on, uh, on the YouTube channels uh, that I watch. And if you look under business, under Ted talks, there is some fabulous stuff in there that, um, uh, resources for, for people starting businesses or getting into businesses to, um, that you can learn about things that you really wouldn't automatically, um, concepts that you have that could be just completely wrong.
1: Yeah.
2: And, uh, and it, it unravels some of that stuff and, it's uh, it's very, very helpful. Nice.
1: Well, Fred, tell us real quick how we can uh, connect with you or Lockdowel. Uh, what's the best way to get uh, get in front of your products?
2: Uh, well, of course, you can come to our website at uh, uh, www.lockdowel. That's l-o-c-k-d-o-w-e-l one word. Dot com. Uh, and you can always reach me at uh, fred at Gotcha.
1: All that will be included in the show notes. So if you want to visit Lockdown, just feel free to click in the show notes or visit thepushthrough.com. That's the thru.com. And until next time, this is Jeff Finney, your host of the Push Through.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Push Through Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and visit thepushthru.com. That's thepushthru.com for exclusive content, articles, and more.